Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T-Plus, your host for the show. I'm a contributor for reviewing the brew for Fansighted and one of the founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy podcast. We talk a lot about the Bucks, Brewers, and Packers. You can follow us on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. As always, I'm joined with good buddy Trevor, a.k.a. Sunshine Bender. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And we are finally here to talk about a baseball season that is going to happen. So I am very excited about that, as I'm sure Trevor is. But before we get to that, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, having Brewer Baseball... And knowing that it's happening is a great feeling. And, you know, I had a great weekend on top of that as well. Um, Got to hang out with my girlfriend, her sister, and then her sister's fiance. And we had a great weekend. Drank a lot of beer. We were out on the jet ski, tubing, things like that. So it was a lot of fun. Um, And also, I aced a hole in disc golf this weekend. It was the very first throw that her sister and her sister's fiance saw me throw and it was an ace and it was all downhill from there but it was still <laughs> still a pretty great weekend uh i was not acing any frisbee golf holes in fact i haven't frisbee golf since we played last in like i don't know march maybe april somewhere along there so <laughs> it's been a while but yeah it was a good weekend i got to catch up with some of our, our other good college buddies and got to go they had a, a block party downtown in the town that I live to kind of jumpstart the community and got to see my parents this weekend. So all things considered, I had, I had a good weekend too. Um, nothing to gloat about like you, but <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> all right. So let's move into some baseball talk here. So as you know, the talks between the players and the owners have been back and forth for ever here since negotiations started so we're going to listen to this little one minute soundbite quick to hear how the last negotiation went down eventful news in baseball owners gave the players an offer for a 60 game season which included full prorated salaries and also said for example if we don't play if we have to shut it down if there's a second wave of covid you don't get paid you get paid for the games we play Uh, There were other parts of that as well. The players have voted no. 33 to 5, they have said no, that we don't accept that. Now the owners have responded. In order to produce a schedule with a specific number of games, we are asking that the Players Association provide to us by 5 o'clock Eastern tomorrow with two pieces of information. 
The first is whether players will be able to report to camp within seven days by July 1st. The second is whether the Players Association will agree on the operating manual which contains the health and safety protocols necessary to give us the best opportunity to conduct and compete our regular season and postseason. So as you heard, an agreement's probably not the best wording to describe what actually happened. It was more of like Rob Manfred said, hey, we're having a season 60 games. This is what's happening. He just kind of imposed the baseball season on us this year. And, you know, it's it's good that baseball's back, but this may lead to a lockout at the end of the current labor contract in December of 2021. But Apparently, that's a later problem, so we're going to spend today focusing more on this upcoming 2020 season, but Trevor, I know you've been very vocal in the past. Are you are you excited that a quote-unquote deal finally got done, or how do you feel about how things finally shook up? So, it just seemed like the MLB and the MLB Players Association was just living by my um, college year's model, and that being that's a tomorrow problem. <laughs> um, so obviously this could definitely lead to some rifts with owners and players in the future. Like you said, December, 2021, that's not all that far away that this could potentially lead to some issues in that 2022 season. Um, so that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But as of right now, I am in the same state of mind. I haven't had sports for, God, what has it been? Three months, almost four months or something ridiculous like that. So I am just excited to get baseball. I'm not too worried right now about that possible lockout if it happens because there definitely is issues with the relationship between owners and players right now. But I am just really, really excited to get baseball back. I thought they should have been back, you know, a couple weeks before – basketball was back before we got any other true like one of the big three or four sports in the united states to help with their fan base um but obviously that didn't happen we only got it maybe what what is it like a week before basketball comes back so it's great to have it back and i am just gonna be glued to my tv once we get the brewers back and then shortly after that we get the bucks and then if everything goes as planned, hopefully we get the Packers starting training camp right when the Bucks are starting to play again. So hopefully that all goes as planned because I am just ready for some Wisconsin sports. And I am really excited that the Brewers get to lead start us off in that. And hopefully we're able to kind of make a little bit of a run in what will likely be a season that has an asterisk by it. But a championship is still a championship in my book. Yeah, it's crazy to think about that. Not that long ago, we were talking about a potential baseball season that could be starting this weekend of the July 4th. Obviously, things did not pan out that way, unfortunately. And yeah, season's now slated to start either July 23rd or July 24th, uh, depending on which team you are. No schedule has been officially announced yet. But yeah, NBA comes back the week after that, the 31st and August 1st is when teams start playing. So one week, you were correct on that. Um, so baseball misses out a little bit on three, four-ish weeks of really being the only major sport in America going on. And 
it would have been great for him to at least get some publicity that way uh, compared to all the negatives that have been going on lately. But hey, you know, at least at least we'll get it. And 60 games is it's no slouch. I mean, David Stearns kind of worded it as we're waking up in the middle of the season and it's a five way race for the NL Central and to see who's going to get into the playoffs. So a lot can happen in those 60 games. It'll be interesting to see what kind of crazy things we see, and we might see some monster stats from players. But kind of getting into the minutia of the season, there are a lot of rule changes to go over. So I'm going to just quickly go down this list, and we'll go over some of these in more Brewer details. But MLB teams submitted a 60-player roster by today, June 28th at 3 p.m. The Brewers said they will announce theirs tomorrow on 629. So this 60-player roster is what teams or which players teams can use throughout the duration of the season. Now, it can change. There are a whole bunch of rules, like saying if someone gets taken off the active roster, do they have to be released or DFA'd and taken off the 60-man roster? But point is, there are ways to add players on after today. Once the season starts, they will start with a 30-man active roster for the first two weeks of the season. Then it decreases to 28 for two weeks after that, and then it'll be 26 for the remainder of the season. There will be universal DH this year. In extra innings, there will be a designated runner that will start on second base. So whoever got the previous out in the ninth or whichever inning was last played will start on second base. So you don't get to choose who starts on base. There'll be no requirements for position players pitching like the kind of had been talks about this year. The three batter minimum is still in effect. Games cut short due to weather before five innings will be continued at a later date. The injured list for pitchers will remain at 10 days instead of 15, which they were originally planning on doing this year. There will be kind of a quote-unquote COVID injured list. There will be no set time with that. And then there are a crap ton of requirements that players have to meet before they can return. There's no spitting, but you can chew gum. Thought I'd throw that one in there. I'm not quite sure about high fives. I'm assuming probably not. But uh, trade deadline is August 31st. And then teams will play 40 divisional games and 20 interleague games against their geographic counterpart. So in theory, the Brewers are going to play 10 games versus the Cubs, Cardinals, Reds, and Pirates, and then four games against the White Sox, Royals, Indians, Tigers, and Twins. And at this point, there will be no fans in Miller Park. So that's a lot to digest, Trevor. Where do you want to start with this with this rules that are coming to 2020? Yeah, you're you're definitely right with a lot to digest. For me, the extra innings designated runner thing just seems bonkers. It seems like we're going back to T-ball, um, where we have to get this done before the lights go out because there's no lights on the field. Like that seems bonkers to me that that's a thing. I get trying to reduce the amount of time that games are going to reduce contact with one another or close contact. They might not be touching and things, but you know, that close interaction with other players, but you can't tell me that the risk of a game going 12 innings rather than 10 is that significant that we need to go back to T-ball rules for this. It just, that one is the biggest one that I am not a fan of. Other than that, I think, the other very interesting thing is looking at the schedule. Obviously, you knew the Cubs, Cardinals, Reds, and Pirates were going to be opponents. But it's kind of interesting that we don't have to play other National League 
contenders. Like we don't have to play the Nationals. We we don't have to play the Dodgers, which I think could be an advantage to the Brewers. Um, now we'll kind of have to see how they pair against the AL Central um, in the White Sox, Royals, Indians, Tigers, and Twins. But I definitely think there is winnable four-game series in that. Now, do you know, Tyler, if it's going to be four-game series against those, or is it going to be a home-and-home, like a two-and-two split? I have not heard. No clue. I would imagine, I'm sure they want to limit travel, but they're doing this by geographic location, so that in itself is going to limit travel. So I feel like a home-at-home is the most, like the fairest thing to do. Like they're going to play a three-game series against the Cubs and then a two-game series against the Cubs in Miller Park, and then they're also going to do the same thing at Wrigley and same thing for the rest of the divisional foes. And then I imagine it would be two games, say, at the White Sox and two games in Miller Park against the White Sox. I imagine that's the fairest way competitively to swing it. But also, if there's not fans in the stands, how much does the field really how much of that home field advantage is actually there. So that part of it will be interesting to kind of see what happens there. But overall, I am just really excited to get back to it, um, see some baseball being played. And I think it's kind of fun that we get to play these teams four times that we typically aren't playing that often, or it might just have a little bit more of a focus this year because it's not diluted with 102 other games that we're watching. We only get these 60. So I, I am very excited. And those are the two things that really jump out me, jump out to me. And I still think that fucking second base designated runner extra inning shit is dumb. <laughs> it, it certainly is an interesting concept. And I've been told by sources who follow minor league baseball pretty closely that in certain levels of the minors, they actually have had this rule in effect for a few years. And I guess, you know, the whole idea is like to end games quicker, right? Like not go, you know, think about like the Brewers 18 marathon game. Like, you know, that doesn't happen very often, but if you can chew some time off, save some pitchers, save some arms, I I think that's why they decided to implement it this year. And it's been successful in the minors. A lot of games have ended after 10 innings so it'll be kind of interesting to see like how council uses that to like his advantage like are you going to want to pinch run and put someone quick and speedy out there right away try and strike first if you're the weight team or try and win the game if you're the home team because you know both teams get to put this runner on second so i think that'll be interesting to kind I of have, monitor i have a concept here now there is like it's a normal inning other than there's one guy starting at second base, right? Yes. So the easy counter, and obviously if the nine-hole hitter got out the last time and you have the top of the order, you might not want to do this, but also you might. Like, what teams wouldn't go for? You get the guy at second base in the 10th. Why not sacrifice bunt? You have a guy at third with one out. Then a sack fly moves him in. You get a run. Like, I just feel like that it is almost too easy to score at that point. Obviously you're not going to score every time because it's baseball and these MLB pitchers are good, but I just feel like if you do it that way, like it really, really puts the pressure on if you're, it's actually probably a better thing to be that away team because then you kind of can do that score early and know that the pressure's on them to make the plays and win the game rather than, 
you're the away team and you don't do that and then all the pressures on your pitcher i just feel like that kind of pressure can get to players even professional athletes it gets to them so i feel like this is almost an advantage to those away teams that go into extra innings (laughs) small ball wow you know teams don't play small ball anymore right nobody knows what a sack bunt is (laughs) it's pretty much a lost art (laughs) well you know council does but i mean well, not well, very seldomly. And I think you'd much rather have Brandon Woodruff hit, which I'm kind of upset we're not going to be able to see probably much of this year. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, we might see increased things like that or suicide squeezes. Maybe they'll make a comeback this year. Who knows? That you know, Those are exciting baseball plays that have kind of been lost recently. So I think they might make a comeback. You got you got point. It, it does put a lot of pressure on, on other teams as well. So... And I know I've had a couple questions people have been asking me about it is that runner on second, that will not be an earned run to the pitcher, whoever's starting the inning. It'll be an unearned run, you know, unless if like they give up a two run homer, then they'll get charged one run because it's essentially like that runner reached on an air is kind of how they score that for the pitcher stats anyway. I do kind of want to go back to the schedule a little bit here because you mentioned not being able to play some teams are playing some teams who we hadn't really played in the past. And yeah, like you think, okay, you look at the schedule and you go Royals tigers. Oh yes, that's perfect. You know, those are like bottom of the MLB teams right there. You only get four games against each of them, but that kind of also puts pressure on you as well too, right? Like it feels like as a fan, if you split games, like you go two and two against the Royals or two and two against the tigers, it almost feels like a loss you'd feel defeated because everyone else gets the same amount of games against them so it kind of has like increased pressure to really win those games like you want to take three out of four against those guys and if you don't well you know i guess the other good part or the counter to that is you play a lot of division games so you're never probably never going to be out of the division you can make up ground or lose ground really really quick so I think no matter what happens, it's going to be a tight race to the NL Central because 60 games into a normal season, nobody's really out of it, right? So I think that's going to be exciting anyway. It's kind of weird to think about because previously we talk about like the race to 90 wins, right? You get to 90 wins, you're well in playoff contention, and a lot of times you're going to make it at that point. kind of depends on the year and how the wild card looks and things. But if you get to 90 wins, you have a pretty good shot. So what what is that number this year? Is that number, you know, 35 wins? Is Because that would be five games over 500. Is that kind of a good number? And if you think 35 wins, let's say you split against the division. You go perfect 20 and 20, or not perfect, exactly right down the middle, 20 and 20 against the division, um, each let's for this example, let's just say each time you go five and five against each team and then away, let's say you split with everyone except two of the teams you sweep. So that would be, that would get you four games over, let's say 34. Do you think that is a number to get you in the playoff in this situation? It's just kind of a weird season, obviously, but that 60 games, what does that mean? The Brewers have to shoot for to get into that playoff contention, whether it be a wild card or to, or the division winner? It's an interesting question, and I did do some research on this as well. When the Brewers won the division in 2018, they won 59% of their games. So in a 60-game season, that's equivocal to 
uh, winning 36 games this year. Last year, they made the wild card with a 55% win percentage, and that's winning 33 games in a 60-game season. If you kind of look at projections, Zips has the Cubs winning the division with 32 games, so a little bit lower than those win percentages I just mentioned. And then if you want to be really, really optimistic, (laughs) you can look back at the Brewers' best-ever 60-game stretch, which was in 2011, and they won 42 games (laughs) in that season, which probably not going to happen this year, but I mean, under... Under Council, the Brewers have been pretty successful in their first 60 games. Last year, 2019, they won 34 games, 2018, 37, 2017, 32, and then 2016, 28 games, which was obviously kind of the start of Council right there in 2016, his first full season anyway. So it's definitely going to be that low to mid-30s, I think, is kind of where you want to shoot for. That sounds doable to me. That that zips that has the Cubs at 32 and winning the division like two games over 500 really I feel like someone's gonna take a little bit of a step more than that I think for the division in the Central I do think it should be around 35 ish but also I feel like the Central is competitive it may not be the best division in baseball but all the teams are pretty close to each other so I feel like there might be a lot of beating on each other and it might end up being um, obviously not every team is going to go five and five with all the other teams but I feel like it could be somewhat around like teams are going six and four um, five and five with these other teams and it's not like no one's going eight and two or nine and one against other teams to really pull ahead in the division I think this division is going to be a close knit one and it's going to make for a, a very exciting end if we can just get I think there was a 25 game stretch one of the September's I think it was 2018 when they went 21 and four or something we can just start like that mm-hmm all the pressure would be off the Brewers, and that would be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, a fast start would be great. I mean, you can't do like what the Nationals did last year. They were our World Series winners, but their first 60 games, they won like 19 games. They got off to a dreadful start. So you never know what's going to happen in a 60-game stretch. But yeah, getting off to a fast start would be great. And that really kind of makes the trade deadline really interesting as well because by the time that comes around there'll be teams will be just under 40 games in at the day of the deadline still have that remaining 20 games left but i don't know our player or our team's going to want to bring in players for 20 games are they going to want to bring you know say you make a trade with the the red Sox? are you going to want to bring someone in from the east coast to the central and potentially expose your team to you know, the virus, and then you lose that player and additional players. And I don't, I feel like teams are not going to be aggressive this year. I could be wrong, but that's just my take. I think you're better off just looking at your internal prospects on this 60-man squad that you have. I think you are right to a point. I think there is going to be a lot less of kind of the deals that David Stearns has been making at the deadline recently like Jordan Lyle type moves. I think there might still be some of those bigger name blockbuster or close to block blockbuster type of trades. I think there could still be some of that, but I do think you're right that some of those like lower level trades is, is it worth that risk of 
maybe that person is a asymptomatic carrier and it really shouldn't happen because I imagine testing protocols are going to be, they're testing every couple days or every day maybe, I don't know. But I do feel like the testing should kind of prevent that. But I do think there might be something there that teams are like, we can roll with the guys we have and trust that they're going to be able to do it. And that makes making that 60-man roster the best that you can possibly make it um, that more important. I do think it'll be a pretty fun and interesting trade deadline, even though it might not be as active as it normally is. I still think, even though we would much rather see a 162-game season and be able to watch the whole season, there's just going to be a lot of interesting things. Every single game is going to be so much more important. And I, I just can't wait to be able to watch some baseball. And yeah, that trade deadline is going to be another interesting thing to watch and see how teams kind of go about that whole thing. Maybe maybe they think because it's a shortened season, they're going to say, screw the risk. We are right here in the division because it's such, such a short um, season. Like, we said earlier, it just feels like you can get back in so easily. You're five games back with 20 games left, and you have 15 of those games being divisional games. It's very easy to get back in the division. So I I really feel like there might be more in that regard. Like More teams think that they are just kind of a couple more pieces away, even if they're kind of average type of players, getting an extra average bullpen arm to bolster your bullpen things like that there there are definitely some benefits in that as well so maybe there might be more because more teams feel like they're in it in such a short short season yeah you're right and you know the blockbuster trade idea is kind of interesting like now because there's the dh for this season which obviously ryan Braun's probably a pretty good candidate to get a lot of those along with keston maybe omar narvaez but like what if the brewers are like hey Nelson Cruz, we want to see you come and play DH for us. Ryan Braun's serviceable at first base. Like, yeah, that that'd be a big blockbuster trade. I don't know if the Brewers would do that, but they now have that option to do that, which is which is cool. Adding another really big, powerful bat and making the lineup even deeper um, could definitely help the club, especially once the playoffs get started. Which, just to clarify, because I don't think we mentioned the playoffs yet so far, those are staying the same as they have been in years previous. So it's the division winners and two wild cards. You have your one-game wild card playing. So no changes in that regard. There was lots of talks about expanding them, but for this year, they are staying put. Yeah, and for me, that's a little disappointing because the NBA... Is the NBA expanding playoffs? I thought so. No, they just messed up the seating, right? It's like 1 through 16, I believe. Okay, I know that, that was talked about. I know that was talked about. I don't know. We should definitely talk to Scott. Um, <laughs> but I, I wish there would have been give us like two wild card games or an extra wild card game in each conference or league, whatever, whatever sport we're in. Um, give us an extra wild card game, so an extra four teams in the playoffs. That that would be cool. Like for this one year. Get more people into the dance. Make it a little bit more interesting. Get more fan bases involved. That that just seemed like something that seemed like too easy and too smart of a thing to do because it just it just made so much sense in the shortened season. Why not have an extra game on TV or an extra two games in that case? One in the NL, one in the AL. It just 
that was something that I was kind of disappointed in. Why not expand the playoffs for this year? That's already beyond kind of messed up. So that that's a little bit frustrating for me. <laughs> yeah, and that's something the owners were pushing for, obviously, because playoff revenue is is great for them, but not happening. And I kind of want to back up to the way beginning. You mentioned this season for you has a little bit of an asterisk next to it, no matter you know no matter what happens. But I don't know. Say the Brewers do win the World Series, are you really still gonna feel that way, and why? I do think this year is gonna kind of be throughout the MLB, the NBA, hopefully the NFL won't have to have that. Hopefully we get a full season there. Um, but with the NBA and the MLB, I do think there's got to be some sort of like, when you think about the 2020 season, it it's just not normal. There There's no way you can't be like, but this wasn't the full season. You never know what may or may not happen from injuries and guys basically getting a full off season in the case of the NBA to get back to where they would be at the beginning of the year in terms of like conditioning and like just how their body's feeling, stuff like that. So I do think there's still an asterisk, but as a fan of the Bucks and Brewers, two teams that I think can compete. And obviously I'm a huge fan of the Packers. I think they can compete for a Super Bowl too. But if all three of those teams win and all three of them has asterisks by it. I don't give a shit about the asterisks. We won. That's all that matters to me. That is a trophy on all three of their respective trophy cases. Like that doesn't bother me at all. I still think there's going to be some of that throughout like national media and things like that. But as a fan of the team that won, whether it be, you know, us as Brewer fans or God forbid the Cardinals or Cubs win, like those fan bases aren't going to feel like that in the time if it were to happen to them that they were able to win because they still went out there, competed, and won a what was somewhat agreed upon in this case, a professional sporting league. They won the championship, so they deserve to have that trophy. They deserve that recognition, even though it wasn't completely right. I don't think the asterisk takes away anything. I just think that it does need to be there because it's it's just not a normal season. So it can't be just like, you know, the 1982 Brewers because it's it's just not the same. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And the injuries kind of is a very good point to make because now the Brewers are going to be starting a baseball season with a presumably healthy Corey Knable and Luis Urias. They, they're going to be able to play and hopefully not miss any games like they would have if the season would have started on time. But, you know, like like you said, especially in baseball, like the biggest thing is just like get into the playoffs and give yourself a chance. Once you get there, the your stars are going to come out. You're going to get your postseason heroes, and that's just going to remove any asterisks. You're going to get to see the best players go head-to-head, and and that's what it's all about. So, yeah, I, I guess I, I'm going to put – can you put half an asterisk <laughs> next to it? Is that a thing? Because <laughs> um, yeah. that's kind of – I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with you on that anyway. <laughs> the only way – I'm going to think that the asterisks actually mean something as if the Cubs or the Cardinals win it. <laughs> Amen to that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, at that point, I don't know. If the if any of them make it to the World Series, I'll conduct their COVID testing and rule a bunch of players out and <laughs> we'll sabotage them somehow. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, 
that was that was good. It's good to talk about something that's actually going to happen and not hypothesize about what a season may look like. So we will dive further into some more Brewer news, actual Brewer news in future podcasts. We'll probably take a look at a deeper dive of the AL Central because they are now relevant to us. So we have less than a month until opening day. So I cannot wait and make sure you are tuning into this podcast, the Packers Trilogy podcast and the Bucks Trilogy podcast as well to keep up on all your Wisconsin sports. But until next time, we'll talk to you later, Brewer fans. Trust in Stearns.